Greetings and welcome to the Pure Report podcast. I am your host, Rob Ludeman, as usual. Thank you, everybody, for joining, for listening, and subscribing. And today I want to welcome back someone that uh, we had on a prior podcast. We had such a good time doing it before. We're doing it again. Chaz Dye, our Oracle Solution architect out in the field. Chaz, welcome back. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me back. It's great to be here. Yeah, it was a blast. I loved the conversation before. We had a lot of interest in that podcast and said, well, there's a lot more things that I think we can talk in and around Oracle. Absolutely. So uh, you're in town. Let's go ahead and do it. Yeah, by all means. Excellent. Well, you know, I, I do like to start a little bit with the journey. And before you kind of talked a little about your background, I loved your line about uh, uh, being a, involved in Oracle since the 90s. Since, so. the, since the 1900s. The 1900s. Yeah. That's right. I even messed that up. Yeah. Oracle, um, Oracle version five. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, again, I'll, I'll blatantly plug the prior podcast. If you want to catch the first one that Chaz and I did, we talked quite a bit about more of the, the storage angle around um, why pure storage for Oracle. Oracle had a really good example of a, of a customer um, using uh, Pure for Oracle, as well as some some really good technical details on uh, best practices, configuration, tuning guidelines, those types of things. So that one is in the, in the podcast library that you can go back to. But today, I want to talk initially a little bit about what's going on with Oracle DBAs, right? We see sure. DBAs don't often uh, need to be in tune with storage. They know when storage is maybe not working well for them. That's right. right? And that creates a problem. Problem, but what's happening with DBAs strategically right now in their organizations? Well, there's definitely a move to consider uh, alternatives to Oracle for a variety of reasons. One reason, of course, is cost. Everybody is uh, trying to reduce whatever they're paying to uh, for licensing costs and so forth. But another reason is that people are looking at data differently or analyzing data differently than they have in the past, which means they're using different tools uh, and different formats of data. So that brings on things like uh, Hadoop, Cassandra, uh, Kafka, you name it, and uh, DBAs are getting more drawn into that and having to figure out what, what's the best way to gain insights out of all this data that they're collecting. And sometimes it's a re relational database, sometimes it's not. Uh, and so that's something that uh, DBAs are uh, wrestling with at a strategic level. Um, and that that's sort of a more long-range thing than the typical daily tasks of supporting development and that sort of thing. Well, yeah, and, and I guess the... the the add-on to that is if the daily tasks are challenging and time-consuming, right, and things that could be solved or done more easily, then isn't there more time to then go out and look at these new data types, these new data structures, or let's just call it analytics, AI, whatever right. everybody's bringing on board. If we can make things easier operationally on a day-to-day -day basis, there's more time to go focus on innovation and, and strategy. Right. Well, uh, as you said earlier, DBAs aren't necessarily uh, – well in tuned with what's going on with the storage. Um, as you also said, they know when things are not working well, but they don't have a whole lot to do with it. And they might not be aware that actually uh, storage might have uh, capabilities that make their lives easier. The real obvious example being uh, using snapshots to make clones of databases um, for reporting or dev test or what have you, as well as using snapshots to augment the backup strategy in general. Um, there, there are a lot of failure scenarios where it's easier to restore from a snapshot than it would be to restore from an RMAN, you know, an RMAN backup. Um, that and data services such as replication. So we now, as you know, have Active Cluster, which is giving uh, organizations a way to 
basically make a high avail a highly redundant environment with zero touch failover because uh, the sessions will move from one uh, one rack instance basically to another rack instance in another data center with another storage uh, array underneath them with really no intervention on the part of either DBAs or storage admins. So there are things out there that uh, st storage, and in particular our storage, pure storage, can do to uh, alleviate some of the sort of ongoing tasks or time-consuming tasks that DBAs have. And I, I guess performance tuning and provisioning would also be a couple of those tasks that are extremely time, or can be extremely time-consuming, yes? That, that, that's true. And as I said in the podcast last time, there's so many things that are irrelevant with pure storage that, uh, where the tuning environment or the tuning guidelines that Oracle has about this is what you need to do to the storage system. This is how many ASM disks you need to have, and that sort of thing is, is really irrelevant. So, sure, you can mess around with that if you want to, but you're not going to squeeze any more performance out of a out of an environment by uh, adding more ASM disks or by changing block size or changing allocation unit size or any of those things. So, the the basically the you know time not spent is time saved, and so you don't spend time doing things that don't provide any upside. Yeah. Well, then I'll shift gears a little bit. One of the other things that we we look at is the nature of, of Oracle deployments um, from a standpoint of, you know, transactional processing types of things, right? Call centers or uh, payment processing, what have you, right? Lots of heavy read write. Yeah, with shopping a, carts. With a ton of shopping carts, right? Uh, heavy, heavy read write with a lot of concurrent users. And then you contrast that with uh, your OLAP workouts, uh, workloads, right? Your, right? your online analytics processing, data warehouse, whatever you want to call it, which is typically fewer users, um, heavy reads, queries, those types of things. Um, from a DBA perspective, what are they taking on there? Or is that well, that just a, a couple of other characteristics of those workloads are yeah. that the the OLTP shopping cart transactional type of workload is typically doing much smaller IOs than a data warehouse is, um, and also that a, a transactional environment. Uh, with many users is much more sensitive to to latency than uh, a data warehouse might be. Um, so the it's uh, it's also the case that the smaller the I/O, the easier it is to have really low latency. So um, the the flash array, for example, is a fantastic fit for an OLTP environment because we are we we can support uh, hundreds of thousands of IOPS at sub millisecond latency. So it's really great for a transactional environment. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum. Um, where you're talking about a data warehouse with massive reads going on, full table scans, and that kind of thing, uh, the critical point there isn't so much latency as it is bandwidth. Um, and also the, the I.O. size for that type of environment is typically going to be much larger, like in the hundreds of K potentially. Uh, and uh, a 100 K I.O., no matter how fast the storage is, a 100 K I.O. is going to have more latency than a you know 32 K I.O. That's just, that's just all there is to it. There's nothing you can do about that. Um, and the 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 sort of uh, uh, downside of latency isn't quite as significant. Quite, it's not quite as significant in a data warehouse as it would be in a, a transactional environment. So, what about situations where you're running those things across sort of uh, some purpose-built uh, appliance? Like, is it? Is there conflict yeah. with that? Does it run uh, well? Well, the the purpose-built appliance um, that we typically are going up against is really purpose-built to be a data warehouse. Right. However, uh, 
we find a lot of customers who are not using it at, for a data warehouse, and so they're not really getting the benefit of that purpose-built appliance. Uh, and in fact, they're well. We have we have plenty of examples where customers have moved workloads from a purpose-built appliance to a flash array, and uh, reports and and not not only reports but also the uh, you know transaction rate or the the latency that customers or that users observe is far less than it was on the purpose-built appliance. Because, yeah, the purpose-built appliance doesn't help a transactional environment. No, no, and I think there was just a little bit of, you know, marketing ease that kind of was adopted there. But I think with, with OLT, OTP workloads, they're really just gated by the amount of compute that you can throw at it, right? Right. That becomes a Moore's Law problem. Although, as you said, it can be impacted by latency for sure. Yeah. Right? It can be negatively impacted, but for performance improvement... Yeah, it's about your 2x every year based on transistors going into the processor yep. with Moore's Law. That's about right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so then um, you mentioned where we help with these these workloads. I'm still interested in kind of a little bit more on, on that positioning between Flash Array and, and Flash Blade for those. I mean, is it cut and dried? What about where you're you're sort of blended with 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 both of those? Yeah. So like data it, warehouses may run out of out of the main right. database. It, it's rare that it's really completely cut and dry because there's always a bit of a hybrid between uh, you know transactional and data warehousing. Every every database is going to be serving more than one role at some point, but there may be a role that it's where it's the, the primary thing is data warehouse. So um, we have uh, replaced um, the purpose-built appliances with both Flash Array and with Flash Blade. And as far as uh, sort of figuring out which is the which is the proper thing to propose to the uh, customer or the prospect, it has to do with um, what the, wor- the, the real details of the workload. So if it is something where the key thing is bandwidth and the key thing is um, the the wall clock time for getting reports done or for getting data loaded, if it's that kind of thing, Flash Blade makes a fair bit of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, if it's an environment where it is truly, uh, if it's more, you know, on a scale of one to ten, if it's more than more than past four, uh, ten being tr- all tra- all transactional, one being data warehouse. I'd say if it's much past four, it's probably time to start looking at Flash Array versus Flash Blade. And the way that we uh, d- uh, determine where the the workload falls on the spectrum is uh, not only work- looking at AWR reports, but also getting uh, you know, OS type stats or uh, from the storage admins like IOSTAT, that kind of thing, so we can see what's actually going on. What would you look for specifically in AWR report? Like, what would be those flags or indicators that would that would give you that roadmap? So the, the the big section that would help there is the section on uh, I/O stats, and in particular, uh, I/O stats by uh, file type. And so, with, in that particular statistic, you can see, uh, well, you can see um, bandwidth, of course. You can uh, determine the average block size. Uh, and elsewhere in the report is latency. So if we see a, a report that shows tremendous bandwidth, um, a lot of uh, a heavy read ratio, much you know, much heavier on the read side than the write side, um, and large size IOs, that's going to point towards FlashBlade. Um, and when I say large size IO, I mean like you know, 200k or thereabouts yeah. or bigger. Perfect. Um, well, well, thanks for that. I think I've, I've already drilled into that enough huh. with you here. So before we move on to, to the next section, I'll, I'll uh, do a quick 
I don't know, live read or, or plug. Um, Pure will have a presence this year at Oracle Open World 2018. Yes, we will. Uh, yes, indeed. In San Francisco at Moscone Center, October 22nd to 25th. Um, so we'll have a pod up there. We'll have experts like Chaz and uh, others. I'll be there. From, you'll, yep, Chaz will be there. We'll have others from uh, not only around the country, but around the world that are flying in. We've got a mini theater presentation, a couple other breakouts. And uh, mostly we would just love to have you stop by. And uh, if you're interested in hearing and having detailed conversations about what we're talking about here today or in the other podcast or just in general about where your Oracle environment is going and perhaps ways that Pure can help, we would love to see you there. So uh, yeah. please, please plan to join if you're uh, going to be attending Open World. Um, and with that, I think we did this on the last pod and I loved doing this. Got some really fun feedback about mm. uh, putting you on the spot, okay, if, <laughs> if you will. But talking about the narratives we were just going through with the different workload types related to um, re related to different deployments of arrays, flash array versus flash blade. Um, can you talk about a customer where maybe you had sort of those, um, you know, more transactionally heavy types of workloads that right. would have been a good fit on, on flash array and somebody that you worked with, maybe what the POC was like sure. and, and why they engaged. Yeah. So there, there's a customer that uh, it's a large ratings company oh. in the U S and they do, they do things like, uh, analyze the the effectiveness of television ad campaigns or uh, analyze things like how many people watch the Super Bowl and that sort of thing viewership things right right yeah. and so they were on a uh, they were on actually many purpose-built appliances they had you know rows and rows of them and um, uh, of course they were not happy with the cost but they also were not happy with the performance they were getting because the, uh, the, as you as you indicated uh, it was or it is a transactional type of a workload uh, the other thing that they really uh, didn't tolerate very well was the outages that they had to endure for things like scheduled upgrades or uh, like the quarterly patching schedule that that's, right that's the, required the, yeah. the quarterly patching as well as uh, adding capacity of any sort be it uh, be it adding storage capacity or adding perform uh, you know compute capacity it's not seamless or, to upgrade it, right? it, it's not and yeah. and so uh, they were very refreshed that. They could be on our uh, storage, on pure storage, and they can upgrade performance on the fly. They can upgrade capacity on the fly. We we weren't asking them, nor do we ask anybody else, to take any kind of outage for either um, code upgrades or for um, any sort of expansions or uh, hardware upgrades that they perform. We will never ask anyone to take an outage to do any of those things. How, how do we engage with them for, for a proof of concept for POC? Like, how does that the, come about? Right? Uh, so they were very entrenched in, in the purpose-built appliance environment. They, were, they knew the pros and cons. They, they knew what trade-offs they were taking with it. Um, and so to a certain extent, they were comfortable with it in the sense that, that, you know, it's the devil you know. So they were comfortable running it. Um, and so during the POC, when they first met us, there was definitely an effort to win their trust and to uh, con convince them that it's going to be worth your while to try this out. And so uh, we did lots of demos with them. We, we went over the architecture of the product very, very uh, thoroughly. Um, and eventually they agreed to find the time to do a thorough POC. They can't just put it into a, you know, put our storage in a rack someplace and install Oracle and run some, you know, ad hoc queries and call it a day. They really needed to test the actual workloads that the application does. 
uh, and, and, and as well as failure scenarios to see how the thing holds up. And so they really beat it up, and uh, they, th- through the course of beating up the storage, they learned about the um, about pure storage support and, and how outstanding they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also they learned that the, they actually can trust the product and they, they became confident in it and uh, slowly but surely were replacing all the purpose-built appliances that they have out there. Yeah, that's been a, a really big successful repeat. Yeah, know, definitely. Story, right? When they trust the product, they'll continue to 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 invest right yeah they, we we have uh we we've got the momentum now for sure they, they're they're really not looking back toward they're not looking back to doing the purposeful appliance anymore uh it's just a question of you know finding the time to do all the migration that needs to happen right anything tangible from outcomes and you may not you know may not have this depending on where you were in in, in the cycle but anything tangible particularly related to our conversation about DBAs earlier anything that the DBAs could do better or differently that you were able to glean um, well they are uh, definitely leveraging snapshots for uh, cloning da- databases which is something that they, they've been needing to do and they were using RMAM previously uh, so they're doing that um, and you know, in general, the the simplicity just makes life much better for them. So simplicity in everything from what it takes to provision storage to uh, what it takes to, in fact, install the storage or cable it up. Not that DBAs do that, but the the simplicity is saving time for everybody involved. Um, as of course, they're saving money, which uh, that's not a, a DBA specific thing, but um, everyone likes to save money. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. And I, and I knew we could go that direction, but some of those operational and business transformation things are always really interesting as well. Like, yeah, the, you know, what are they using that helps them do something differently that they couldn't do before that benefits the business? Right. right. And so, that yeah, they're not having to fool around with um, uh, maintaining SQL profiles or, uh, you know, making sure that stats are gathered the right way and making sure that some new query doesn't come along, which messes everything up or, you know, adversely impacts everything. Um, so the, those sort sorts of little tweaks that you need to make every week on the purpose-built appliance, that, that work is gone. Okay. Um, okay. So it's the pure storage is, is kind of a set-it-and-forget-it box. Yeah. So there's really not much to do once you've deployed it. It just works. And in, in that vein of things that just work, how about, uh, it, let's let's talk about a Flashblade example, right? We went through that sort of workload discussion earlier Great flash array example with uh, with with this uh, with this company. Uh, what about one where we ended up, you know, sort of recommending and trialing Flashblade? Yeah, so there is a, a, a payment processing company that recently uh, replaced the purpose-built appliance or appliances with Flashblade. And the things on their mind were, as I said earlier at the beginning at the beginning of this uh, podcast. Uh, DBAs are spending a lot of time looking at new ways of analyzing data and new ways to store it. So one of the things that they were happy about was uh, being able to house uh, a Hadoop environment and an Oracle environment basically in the same in the same chassis. Um, and this, therefore, any data that gets sucked one way or the other, it, it, it's done very, very quickly. Um, also, uh, they're using uh, uh, Oracle's DNFS on the environment, and uh, they had been an NFS uh, customer previously, and DNFS is far superior performance-wise to NFS because it bypasses all the sort of unnecessary uh, clutter that, or 
protocol clutter that's there for NFS, which well, doesn't matter to Take Oracle. a step back. Describe that, right? Because I know we kind of, we throw out DNFS a lot, and then maybe if there's folks listening who aren't quite familiar with that, you know, as a protocol. Yeah, so it's it's Oracle's uh, implementation of NFS, which is specific to databases. So NFS generally um, needs to take care of a lot of things that don't matter to a database. Uh, and so Oracle has, Oracle, the, the company, has stripped all the unnecessary junk out of the NFS protocol, and they call it DNFS, and for, I think, direct NFS. And it it's just a very, very lightweight NFS implementation. It's, it's lightweight, but it has the bare minimum required for Oracle to be Oracle. So, in other words, you know, shared files and, and uh, 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 common access to data from multiple sessions. And hence, it, we, we tend to pair it with FlashBlade because right. of the, the file, you know, the file storage capabilities it, it, that, yeah, that go with that. that. That's right. Um, and uh, so the other thing that they, that they the, this payment processing company enjoyed um, is the fact, again, this is a common theme, is that they didn't have to take any outages for upgrades or they don't have to take, take any outages for upgrades anymore. Um, and they can expand on the fly, uh, not only capacity, but also performance. So they like that. Um, and in their case, their, their savings is something to the tune of $300,000 over um, the purpose-built appliance that they were using. Which is significant. Yeah, yeah. And ease of operation and upgradability, all those all those really good things. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, which leads me to kind of a final comparison, right? We've talked uh, about examples where we're, you know, we're placing these sort of appliance-based approaches with, um, you know, best of breed, you know, with storage. Right. Right. But w what are the, what are the scenarios? You know, obviously this brings in flash stack into, into the conversation as something that, you know, is converged top to bottom, has the same benefits of, you know, faster time to deployment, simpler right. operation and some benefits there. So when do you, when you go and advise, which you do with tons of people, when do you advise, you know, well, you may want to take a look at flash stack with that versus, well, let's just go off and first solve this with storage, or is it kind of an iterative process? Uh, you get a sense of where, what direction the customer is going to want to go, I th in my opinion, fairly quickly in the process. Um, so there are customers who have bought the purpose-built appliance and really like the fact that it's, um, you, you know, one one stop shopping. You get this box, you turn it on. There's a database. You don't have to do anything with servers or with storage. It's all just there, and you know, rock and roll. Um, and so the customers who are who who uh, appreciate that aspect of it are often the same as same customers who really don't want to go down the road of uh, figuring out what servers to spec and how many do they need and who are they going to buy them from and, and how to cable them up and yeah, all those various all, things all right? of that stuff yeah yeah um and so for that for that customer flash stack is definitely something that makes sense and uh flash stack is based on ucs uh, blades and so it also you know the the more comfortable a customer is with ucs the more flash stack starts making sense um and so it's the sort of thing where uh the the customer just simply wants to plug something in and not have to worry about uh, as I said all the specs and so yeah. forth. Um, so, but there are also customers who think that they can get much better pricing on servers from whoever their favorite server vendor is, and they're happy uh, and, and experienced and capable of figuring out how big the things need to be, and they're happy to source them. And so, for them, the the flash uh, flash stack isn't so compelling because they're okay with 
getting the other stuff that they need. Well, and it's great to have choice, right? Right. I mean, certainly choice in deployment, and at least from a you know flash stack perspective as well. There's choice. There's flash stack with with flash array for some of the workloads we talked about, and there's you know flash stack with FlashBlade if if folks are looking to you know maybe modernize or improve their yeah. their Oracle data warehouse or go to data warehouse and then maybe start looking at integrating some of these analytics things like your second uh, customer example that you know, that flash stack plus uh, with FlashBlade ends up being really interesting for you know turbocharging the existing data warehouse and then yeah. also adding in some of these new next gen analytics things. Yeah, correct. Um, and so the another th another thing to consider here, by the way, is uh, FlashBlade as a uh, backup uh, target. So we have a lot of success with FlashBlade as a, a fast backup restore target, and uh, it, it's. I don't remember the bandwidth off the top of my head, but it's in the teens of gigabytes per second. So yeah, I think seventeen something. Around yeah, that. it's very large. Yeah. yeah. So it it if it, if you have a situation where you're trying to back up a database and it takes you know ten hours to back the thing up because it's so big, um, FlashBlade might be uh, something to consider as a much faster way to get it done. Um, we we had a, a, a story come across yesterday with graphs about a customer who. Uh, went from you know backup solution X to flashblade and it was uh, a time savings of something in the ballpark of 20 to 30 percent yeah I was just gonna <laughs> it's funny I was just gonna mention those graphs since those yeah. came through and I saw that I think we're talking about the same graphs but it was yeah. you know it was existing solution which they were relatively happy with but but all of a sudden they said eh, let's try out flashblade and it all of a sudden 30 you know 30 percent 35 percent faster. You know, same yeah. data load, all that. Um, fantastic stuff. Yeah. I, I, frankly, I'm kind of surprised at how uh, compelling the, the fast backup restore um, message is, but it, it's something that's really getting a lot of traction. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm frankly surprised, as I said. Well, but you know, we're seeing it. Yeah. You know, and if, if products have a good feature, they'll they'll tend to lend themselves to that, and people will figure that out. You right. Know? You know, our customers are generally really smart. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they know. They know. Good. Well, um, anything else that you want to close with before I before I wrap it here? Where are you traveling next? Where are you heading uh, off to? Next, I'm going to Ohio. Nice. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to Ohio. All right. Um, but uh, you know. Uh, let's keep these these dialogues going, and I'm, I, I hope to see a lot of these the listeners at uh, Oracle Open World. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks again for plugging that, and we hope to see everybody at Oracle Open World. Uh, thanks as usual, uh, Chaz. My pleasure. For, I'm going to start saying as usual because we're going to get you in here more and more. Sure. And thanks everybody else for listening, for subscribing. Please uh, tell a colleague, tell a friend. Uh, we'll keep these episodes coming, keep them hopefully interesting for you. And with that, for Pure Storage and Chaz Die, this is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you. Thanks, right. Chaz. You're welcome. So long, everybody. Mm -hmm.